Welcome to Seafood Matters Podcast, a voice for the seafood industry. And with over 60 years hands-on experience, I'm your host, Jim Cowie. Hi, Andy. Uh, Welcome to Seafood Matters Podcast. I'm delighted to interview Andy Reid. Hi, Andy. From the Fishing News, uh, can you tell us about yourself, where you've come from, and how you've reached where you are with the Fishing News, Andy? Well, I, yeah, I joined Fishing News a year ago as editor, although I'd, I'd written columns and articles going back to I think 1993. Um, the first, the first one I ever wrote, I wrote in pencil um, in my diary, coming in to, to land prawns on a Friday night in Oban uh, when I was fishing. Um, so I, I was a, I was a working fisherman for eight years. I started as a decky in the Isle of Man on the scallops. Um, ended up prawn creeling out of Oban for a few years. I was never the best fisherman in the world. I got and anyone in Oban will tell you that. I made a living, but I was a plodder. Um, and um, and uh, I was always out of fished by those people that have got that special spark. You know, they, they, they always seem to just know what, what what to do with their gear better than I did. Um, I went to Aberdeen. Uh, after after a few years to Aberdeen Uni um, as a mature student and studied fishery science. And after that, I worked in the industry in the PO. And then eventually I went over to the Isle of Man to work for the government um, on the industry there. So I, I came to Fishing News more by accident than anything else. Uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think you're being a wee bit unkind to yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> ask, ask, ask the boys in Oban that and uh, they'll, they'll tell you. I was a plodder. <laughs> so, is your background in fishing? I'm not from a fishing family, but uh, uh, I, I originally went out on a, on a just to help a friend who was a scientist on a boat in the Isle of Man um, for a day. Fell in love with fishing, and that, that that that's all I've done ever since. So, I started I started then when I was 21. Um, and uh, I phoned my mum up and said, "I'm not coming home. I'm going to be a fisherman." She was horrified. Um. Uh, and then that's all I've ever done since. Well, it doesn't sound as if it's been as bad for you as you're making out. Oh, I love it. Um, and I'm really enjoying um, uh, the, the time at Fishing News. Um, Fishing is getting a bad press everywhere. Um, the noose is tightening and it, it, it's it's the defending an industry that I love is something that I really want to do. Yeah, it's certainly tightening and uh, it's quite concerning. And I think possibly, would you agree, more so in Scotland than possibly uh, even England? Um, I'm not sure I'd agree with that, Jim, because the one thing Scotland's got that a lot of England hasn't got is, is fish. There's a real crisis on the East Coast and the Southern North Sea um, where there simply isn't the fish to catch. And although... The, the, the political winds might be blowing in the wrong direction. Ultimately, if there are fish in the sea, they'll be fishermen. And if the fish aren't there, you can't make a living. Yeah. Oh, and, and Scotland is blessed with, with, with most places, is still blessed with healthy fish stocks that are doing well. And, that, and as long as they're there, there'll be a future of some sort. Yeah, the problems that uh, we find... In Scotland, uh, although there is fish, 
it's on one breath, it's trying to get scientists, certain scientists, to actually accept that there is the amount of fish. And the others, they are basing it on flawed science. And the regulations are just almost beggar's belief how they expect fishermen to survive and make a living. Um. Yes, but the the industry is making huge steps to improve that science, um, and and I, I would say I, I mean I'm I'm back from Shetland recently, and I, I fully understand the frustrations Shetland fishermen are getting when an under ten vessel can catch his monthly allocation in one day, um, because the, the the fish are there and the quota isn't. But in the long term, that's probably less of a problem than a fisherman in. Lowestoft or Yarmouth, who's got plenty of quota, who simply can't, who who loses money every time they go to sea because there's nothing to catch. Yeah, um, I, 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 that might not be an answer you'd like to hear. And I, if and if you're in a, in Scotland and you're being stopped from making a living by rules, I can understand the frustration. But I, I, I still have an optimism for the long term future that, that that might not be there elsewhere in the British Isles. Oh, don't get me wrong, Andy. There's plenty of our fishermen who are optimistic and have to be glass half full rather than half empty. And uh, they've proved that by making massive investments, uh, financial investments, and their, their families, you know, millions of pounds of investment in new boats and their fathers down the generation, sons on board and grand grandsons. So I'm certainly a positive outlook with a lot of them, but they do fear the future. Uh, absolutely. And jam, jam tomorrow is no good when you've got to pay this week's expenses. I understand that. That's right. That's right. Uh, going forward and uh, fishing news, uh, where do you see the where the fishing news has come from? Uh, well, I mean, it's I am standing. That's, that's that phrase about standing on the, the the shoulders of giants. I mean, I'm inheriting. I'm inheriting a, a wonderful publication that um, uh, has, has has done a great job over the years. Um, I can't think I'll, I'll never, ever be able to fill, fill Dave Linke's shoes and operate the way Dave did. His memory, his understanding of the boats and the North East particular um, is something that I, I simply won't have. He came, he came to the Isle of Man a few years ago and was pointing at boats that I'd, I'd known for 20 years and he'd seen twice and saying, is that a new wheelhouse on the fray? And I was like, how did you know? How did you remember that? And he was like, well, it's a boat. I, don't, I remember these things. Um, I'll never ever be able to, to to follow Dave Linky in that way. Um, in terms of fishing news itself, uh, we're obviously under pressure in terms of the, the world is changing. Everything's going online. Um, I think where as an as a as a paper we can we can still make our mark is by an, an analysis and looking at things in depth that, that that isn't covered in the same way on a tweet or a a quick online article. Yeah, I would say you're being a bit unkind again. 
as far as David is concerned, I totally accept and, and, and agree with everything you said. I mean, the man was just amazing. A number of times he was up in Scrabster here, and one of the things that got me one time, it might have been the new boy Andrew, but I'm not sure. Uh, but it was a new boat just commissioned and starting to fish, and he hadn't got photos of it for the feature, for his feature in the paper. So he came up, and he was so passionate about and so professional and he didn't like taking a photo of a boat when it was tied to the pier so he took a small boat got a hired a small boat and had the had the fishing boat he was going to film and photograph uh, out in the bay and he was out in this small boat and it was a horrid day of really bad weather and here's him going bobbing up and down round, round yeah. the bay to get to get action shots of the of the boat that he wanted. It was just it was just incredible. And on another occasion, I wanted to get a, a photographs of a, a you know remember you know the Ashvale fish and chip shops in Aberdeenshire. Very friendly with the managing director, Stuart, and uh, he—it was the thirtieth birthday, and I used to remember going into the Ashfield when I was younger, when I was doing with fish lorries and uh, courting my now wife was in a was a nurse in Aberdeen. And that, so I was in Aberdeen a lot, and I used to always love going to the Aberdeen for the the Ashvale for fish and chips, and I loved all the the, the all the paintings and photographs and that of all the active fishing boats, and as I was going laterally, it was just showing it's dated, and obviously Aberdeen isn't a fishing port designated port any longer so I thought you know it's just needing a wee bit updated so I spoke to one or two fishermen Peter Bruce and Peter Head um, Davy Milne the Faithley Alan Addison Venture and then Tom Harkis Peter and Ian Harkis and Orkney and just different people around asking, look, let's get photos of your boats and we'll gather them together and present them to the Ashfield for his 30th birthday. So, uh, and Andrew Bremner was involved. Uh, he was in it as well. So they they're like, no, let's get a hold of Dave, uh, David Linky. So, Honestly, Andy, David sent me a DVD with over a hundred photos of absolutely stunning boats from the all over Scotland, and new and old, and action shots, and stunning, stunning shots. So, well, th thank you, Jim, for reminding me that I can't take pictures like Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, so we. <laughs> No, no, that's not the point. So we we went along. There was a group of us, about ten or a tw twelve, uh, 
fishermen, the different fishermen involved and myself, and we went along to the Ashvale and presented Stuart with, Stuart Devine, by the way, he, he presented Stuart with us, and he's now got them, he, he's he's got a DVD made with a wee video, so, and it's ongoing, showing on the wall, and, but, and he's also got stills of all the boats round as well, so you know, he was just involved in so many different ways. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a great way of, I mean, of, of making the point that so many people who eat fish don't make the connection with the work involved in, in putting it in front of them. Having those pictures up is a really good way of making that point. Yeah, 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 definitely. How, how do you feel uh, the fishing news... It's it's really well integrated into the fishing anyway, isn't? You feel that it, it is. I mean, I have to remember. I mean, we, we, we call ourselves the voice of the industry, and that's. I mean, it's a very hard thing to say because there is more than one voice. You know, you get three fishermen in a room, you've got three opinions very often. Um, but it, but it it has to be driven by 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 the fishermen themselves. Um. Uh, and we're, we're we're entirely reliant as a newspaper on input from the industry. We you know rather than telling the industry what's good for it, we need to hear from the industry and get that view out. Um, something that I like to emphasize is the the the, the power that we not the power we, we punch above our weight. So about twenty percent of our readers are not fishermen. They're civil servants. They're fisheries managers. They're consultants. They're, they're NGOs. And we're we're the only real medium to get the industry's message in front of those people, and get them to listen. Um, quite often, if we put a story in that one or other ministers don't like, we'll get a phone call two days later from the minister's assistant saying, "Could you have reported that differently? Can I have the right of reply?" And 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 and, and we we are in a way um, getting a message to them directly that that I don't think any other mediums got. Yeah, well, that's really very interesting because I think it's something possibly the industry could use. Absolutely, and 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 we we are only as good as the industry voices, if you like, that we report. So we 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 are utterly dependent, ultimately, on on the industry talking to us and using us to get their message across. Well, hopefully, we can use this edition uh, of our podcast to to help get that message across. Absolutely, but I mean, it's uh, it's been it, it it there's been an integration going back for many many years, and I I, I often think you know when a when a boat was for sale, you know, of a fisherman whether he was retiring or had enough or whatever, it's a fishing news that went in for sale. And even to the point where quite quite often I would be speaking to a skipper when he had finished his trip. If it wasn't a very good trip and he didn't make very much money, he, he, jokingly, obviously, he would be saying, "Oh, if I'll no, if I'll no, if I'll no pick up shortly," he says, it, "It'll be it's a it mean the the boat. It's a fishing news back of the fishing news. It'll be in." <laughs> yes, yes, uh, um, and yeah, I think that's something we need to look at because um, 
Um, obviously, most of that's online now. I mean, it's easier. But uh, no, like, yes, going going in the back of fishing news was always a sort of threat about walking away from the industry, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was just a recognised uh, place where, where boats were put up for sale and anybody looking for a boat, it's uh, fishing news, he would look to see what was for what Absolutely. was. And, and, and on top of that, it was also a very good barometer about which part of the UK was doing well and which part was doing badly. Because you could, sometimes the southwest was doing well or the northeast of Scotland or the west coast of Scotland. And you'd get a feel from looking at the ads in Fishing News about which parts of the industry were healthy and which were suffering. Yeah. I think you help out with some other podcasts and things like that as well, don't you? Um, no, we're meant to be getting involved and supporting um, a couple of other podcasts run through the industry, but we haven't yet. Um, it's something possibly we ought to look at. We're, we're, we're relaunching Fishing News um, next year. We're going to we're going to we're moving up by a couple of pages. Um, we're getting we're getting more and more copy in at the moment. Um, it's quite it's quite a good time, um, and and we're often having to miss a story or two out each week. So we're, we're going to go slightly larger, probably in February. That's interesting. Well, it's good to hear that that's the way you're thinking, you know, increasing rather than cutbacks and cutting back. And I, th I think it's a reflection partly of how active the industry is, whereas um, well, I think more and more people are aware that there's an audience out there that needs to, to see what's happening, as it were, rather than the inward looking um, in, in order to protect the industry going forward. Um, we've got a very good message to sell. It's, again, it's that 20% of the readership that a lot of those people are making the decisions about the industry um, and getting our message across about the fact that every year less seabed is trawled because fishermen are becoming more efficient. The number of boats is going down. Whatever the doom and gloom is overall, that in spite of changing climate, the health of the sea is getting better. That's right. And, and the more you can get that message across, the better. I mean, we're also running a bit more science in fishing news now, you might have noticed. Just quick summaries of things like an Irish paper that came out recently documenting common skate. Now, common skate are becoming more common, and no, no one fishes for skate deliberately. But the fact that a large, slow-growing, long-lived species is, is growing its range again is a reflection that fishing effort overall is going down and that overall, that the ecosystems are better. And that's the kind of message we should be getting across. Um, and, that, and I'm trying to make more and more effort in fishing news with help from the industry um, to get that in print so people can read it. Yeah. I mean, I had a podcast. Uh, in fact, it's the first two editions of our this Seafood Matters podcast that I'm doing is with a fishery scientist in Iceland, Jan Christensen. And he's he's been involved in uh, stock assessments and things for tens of years and as he says that if it's not fished it'll uh, i'm just wondering when you mentioned the southern north sea if it's actually the fact that it's problems is it's, it's not hard enough fished um i honestly don't know but when you look at I mean, it's certainly the, the Southern Channel, the, the, the amount of effort from the combined fleets, you know, the, the, the big fly shooters, 
um, the Belgian Beamers. Um, it, it's hammered. But um, and I, I certainly, I, I've, I've been out, I, I did a couple of features on, on small boats working from the south coast of England, and it was heartbreaking seeing how little is out there. Uh, it was so it was so good for me getting back up to Scotland and walking around the market. And you don't need to be a fishery scientist when when you're seeing four fish per box. You know the stock's healthy. The you you hear I mean even what uh, one of the problems we have in Scotland as you're saying there with we have fish. I mean our scientists well ICES are ICES are realised now and they're reporting that the stocks are as healthy as they have been for many a year. But the NGOs and uh, people like that, they're trying to ban cod fishing. And our fishermen are saying things like they're actually getting cod in their creels. And they've never, ever seen that ever before. And that's not just maybe north here. That's from the Solway right up the west coast, around Shetland, and down to the Tweed and the east coast. They're actually it, getting it, cod in their creels. It, 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 it's very, very difficult because it's inarguable that certain cod stocks are in real trouble. You know, they're, they're abundant in some places and, and other places they're not. Um, the, the And again, uh, there used to be a real problem with um, Area 7 BDK cod, we called it, Channel Cod. Um, the quota was never enough. Fishermen were always having to discard or, or worry about what they were doing with the fish. That, the quota uptake this year is 10%. You know, it, it's so it, it is, it, I mean, I think we, we had an article in Fishing News called A Tale of Two Cod. Um, that there's a mixed story, and the NGOs are cherry picking the bad news stories uh, and extrapolating those to, to areas where there's a lot of local abundance. It's, it's very, very difficult. Um, and I, I think that there's a political argument too, for instance, the, the, the cod in the north are doing very, very well. Um, there's a risk that if that was a separate stock assessment and a separate quota, countries like Norway would say, right, we want more, we want a bigger share, like they have with the, with the mackerel and the herring. Um, and the blue whiting, so it, it, it does become very difficult. I, I, I think where the industry should stand up and be proud of itself is, uh, in a generation, we've moved from um, fearing science, if you like, to providing the data, volunteering the data, cooperating as much as possible to get the data there, so that the stock assessment reflects what fishermen are seeing on the grounds. And we seem to almost flip in Scotland where a generation ago the scientists were chasing the fishermen for data and couldn't get it. Now the fishermen are chasing the scientists and the scientists in marine Scotland certainly um, are very, very hard to get hold of or pin down. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Uh, one thing when we're talking about integration uh, and going back, your points about uh, never filling David Linky's shoes and copying him. I don't think I don't think it's a need for that. I think you've got enough. I think it's what you're what you're doing uh, for the fishing news is different. Not not uh, not a case of copying somebody or filling. It's do it's you're you're doing what you're good at and what you're well, 
Um, oh, yes, and I'm not. Yeah, I, and I can't take photographs. So I do apologise to everybody for that. Um, you, you could charter me a boat to send me out into Scrabster Harbour. I'd drop the camera in the sea, or something would happen. But the photographs wouldn't be there anyway. Well, here's a point. Then, is there anything you'd like to say on here about uh, to see if we can drum up a bit of interest and get? Because one thing I notice, you'll see yourself on social media. Fishermen are always putting photos on on social media of either their boat or or some scenes when they're fishing would you like to get some of that sent to fishing news we'd love to and i've already bothered a few people um for for shots of cod you know um, there's a there's a there's a few scottish skippers who will know they've suddenly had texts saying can you send me a picture of this please or that please um it's it's great. There there are a whole bunch of people who are already submitting photographs to us, really high quality. Um, particularly for some reason, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Um, but anyone who would like to to submit more, we'd love to see them, and not not just boats themselves, but actually sort of life on board. You know, the, the cod end coming in. Um, you you know th th those kind of shots because we're always looking for sto for pictures that illustrate stories. And the power of those pictures to illustrate a story is really strong and get a message across. Um, so, so we'd love to see some more. Well, keep it going because uh, we'll be putting it out, Andy. Okay, that that would be great. And we have we have um, um, we, we, we've increased the price. We have we have readers' picks once a month, and we've we've introduced sort of bigger prizes for those. Um, every month we've got John Goodlad's excellent book. Um, salt roads um, for the best pick of the month but, but we, we, we like seeing them and we also like the story behind the picture if that makes sense so if people are sending a pick in if they can say and we you know we were off wherever because we had to go fishing for monk that month because we had no cod quota that little bit of extra information also makes the pictures much more interesting yeah and of course the modern smartphones they're they're the cameras are as good as any digital camera you'll get absolutely absolutely um and and given the communications these days you can get it almost even if you're 100 miles offshore um it can be it can be flying through the air uh, um through the ether um in real time almost yeah no no we must get this across and get them because if it's it's as easy to send it the fishy news as post it on facebook absolutely and and especially if again that that the, 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 the message behind it not not just we were here but we're here because of x or because of y or the following things were happening it's interesting it adds context to the pictures and it, and it tells a story definitely definitely and where so where do you see the fishing news going forward andy well, we're, 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 we're going to be slightly larger, um, a couple of pages bigger um, next year. Um, I'd, I'd like us to have more local coverage than we're currently having. Again, that's down to readers. Um, I, I was lucky enough to go back over to Kelsey headquarters where the fishing news back to 1901 are kept, 1913, sorry. And it it's very much a... Almost like it's, it's who's talking to who and who's met who. And I think I'd like a bit more of that kind of input for which we're entirely reliant on the readers um, because we, we are a community and the more we can sort of reflect that in the pages of Fish News, I think the better. Yeah. I mean, 
I remember obviously before when I was when I was younger, before social media and internet, uh, you would just be really looking forward to the next edition of the fishing news to see uh, that was the days when the big trawlers fishing out the hull, Grimsby Fleetwood and that. And you would uh, looking forward to seeing who broke the record and of the catches and that it was all it was all in fishing news. Absolutely, I mean we don't report on individual boats any longer. I don't, I don't, I don't think um, I, I don't think that would go down so well these days. And I think some of that's conf- confidential, isn't it? Even though you can see on the market prices, but. Um, um, I, I think we will um, be looking at more in-depth features as well because in a day of instant everything, um, it's, it's something that you can read more at leisure, especially when you're at sea or you're steaming home. Um, it's, there's still a future for the printed page for that kind of article in, in a way that there isn't for, for um, more instant news. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... There was a time here, uh, Andrew Bremner, his dad, Nori, uh, he, he used to be up a lot when uh, this is when Andrew started going to sea and Nori came ashore. He'd be up for any boats coming into land. He'd be up in Scrabster. He would always take daily papers and a, fishing, a copy of the fishing news. And every boat that would sail out to Scrabster would sail with a copy of the papers and a copy of the fishing news and when he eventually passed away I kind of felt that's my responsibility now to pick up the cudgels and for for long years and years after until I've recently sort of retired from my business I kept that going and I've been sure that no boat left Scrapster without a copy of the fishing news on the daily that's, that's, great. that's great to hear. Um, we we did some market and some quick analysis when I first joined, and in fact, we have five point five readers for every paper copy, because what tends to happen is you know it is it, put on board the boat and then it's passed around the crew, or it's put in the sales office and it's passed around, um, and f- five point five per copy is very very high compared to most publications. Yeah, and uh, I used to always feel that uh, given that if I was to, you know, maybe copy the fishing news and the main uh, broadsheets uh, papers, maybe it would be talking five, six pound. And I used to think, well, if I handed a fisherman a five pound note, they're going to almost be insulted, saying, why do you think you need to give me that? But giving them the fishing news, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, well, long may that continue. Um, it still has an integration into the industry, Andy, I can assure you that. Um, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. Um, well, Andy... It was really fantastic speaking to you, and uh, I think 
from what you're saying and what you've said for us, I think we can say that the long live the fishy news and it's still in good hands and uh, I'm sure it'll have a great future. Um, that's, that's great, Jim. And um, thanks for it. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And um, really, we're in the hands of the readers and the industry. Um, as long as it's an industry, um, we'll be here for them. Well, that's, that's a good way of putting it because uh, it's more or less saying, well, it's up to us, each person in the industry, to keep to keep the fishing news up there. Absolutely. And get that voice out there and get those people who are who are reading us, who make those decisions to, to listen to what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, quite often I get, see photographs, fishermen saying fishing deluxe, and they'll have a photograph of the most stunning sky, eh, sunset or sunrise. So we'll have to tell them to get it on the fishing news. It is indeed, and yeah, so many bits of our of our jobs which are wonderful that you know that no other industry has. Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly feel I certainly detect a passion there, Andy, and uh, I'm sure David. Uh, I'll be happy up there that he knows that it's still in good shape and in good hands. Well, thanks very much. Okay, thank you very much, Andy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seafood Matters podcast. You can get in touch and listen to all the other episodes on my website, seafoodmatterspodcast.com.